0: Why, hello there. Welcome to the show. Today, I've got a good one lined up for you. Probably the most famous person that no one has ever heard about. And full disclosure, I am not related to him. Not, I don't think that I am, okay? (laughs) But let me tell you a little bit about him today, okay? Let me read a couple of his more famous quotes. I, I think this deal with this LeMay guy is likely true, And these are either his direct quotes or the image or the words from the military, which he was heavily involved in. First quote, every soldier thinks something of the moral aspects of what he is doing. But all war is immoral. And if you let that bother you, you're not a good soldier. Curtis LeMay. Another interesting quote. We should bomb Vietnam back into the Stone Age. Quite a guy, huh? Curtis, General Curtis Emerson LeMay was a belligerent cold warrior who was portrayed in the satirical film Dr. Strangelove as a trigger-happy General Jack D. Ripper. So I'll be watching that this afternoon. It's available here on YouTube for the price of $3.99. Okay, Dr. Strangelove. And also in a few days, I'll be talking about the base that he commanded which is the strategic air command also called sac sac i grew up on sac bases never heard anybody call it anything but sac which makes me think that probably means sacrifice but anyway so yeah um, i want to explain first who this guy was and then explain what the sac does okay because sac has a lot of interesting job descriptions huge amounts of money involved but what seems kind of odd is that of the things that they list as duties, a lot of them aren't really real. You know, space isn't real. So what are they up to over there in SAC? We'll find out. So Dr. Strangelove, or the other title was, How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb, more commonly known simply as Dr. Strangelove, is a 1964, everything around that time frame, right? Black comedy that satirizes the Cold War, The Cold War fears of a nuclear conflict (laughs) between the Soviet Union and the United States. You know, you do realize that the United States sold the Soviets a tremendous amount of um, uranium (laughs) not that long ago. So I'm not sure who sells uranium to their enemies, but except for this country. The film was direct produced and co-written by Stanley Kubrick, blah, blah, blah. Okay, the film was made in the United Kingdom. It's based on the Peter George's thriller novel Red Alert from 1958. And the story concerns an unhinged U.S. Air Force general who orders a first-strike nuclear attack on the Soviet Union. Those commies. It separately follows the President of the United States, his advisors, the Joint Chiefs of Staffs, and a Royal Air Force, that's called RAF over in the U.K., exchange officer as they attempt to prevent the crew of a b fifty two plane who were following orders from the general from bombing the Soviets and starting a nuclear war, my father flew b fifty two so that was the big deal back then. Um, the film is also considered one of the best comedies ever made, as well as one of the greatest films of all time. They also made a film about sac too funny how this works just because the military runs a military <laughs> just because a military runs a movie industry don 't let that concern you, okay. In 1998, the American Film Institute ranked at 26th as the most best American films. What is interesting, in 1989, the United States Library of Congress included Dr. Strangelove as one of the first 25 films selected for historically or aesthetically significant. Sounds kind of interesting, huh? This is another quote I found kind of interesting. This is from that maniac General Wesley Clark. He. Uh, said, nothing could be a more serious violation of public trust than to consciously make a war based on false claims. <laughs> Another interesting thing about Curtis LeMay, I should call him General Cathy or something, guys a full-on training. Um, anyway, so there was some speculation back in the 60s. People thought that he was accused of being on the scene in Dallas. <laughs> and possibly part of the fake JFK death. I covered all of these fake true crimes in the show called True Crime is Fake or something like that. All of them are transgendered, okay? Walter Cronkite is a tranny. He had a couple of daughters who have seriously looking Adam's apple. Amber Alerts, that was a fake little boy, not a girl. The mom is a is a man in a wig. So yeah, this has been going, even the ones that we think we trusted, a good old Walter Cronkite Interesting enough, he dated, <laughs> after his wife supposedly died, he dated Carly Simon's sister. Talk about a jawline. Anyway, the sister doesn't have the jaw like he does, but the Simons are pretty influential, in the publishing company and all that. So, yeah, good old Walter Cronkite was the biggest liar of all. But I got to give Walter credit. He lied much better than the crowd now. Okay, so what somebody said is the reality is that we are a country like any other with good and evil people. Well I think the balance is a little bit off kilter here. The strong and weak, noble and criminal acts, with truth often hidden under deception and propaganda. I think they just summed up this place. So yeah, so it's funny that they um what they did after Pearl Harbor, they said this country asked its military leaders to commit acts that when taken out of context can be viewed as war crimes today. Okay. Between March in August of 1945, 38-year-old General Curtis Emerson LeMay ordered the death of more civilians than any other man or woman in U.S. history. No one else comes close. Not William Sherman, not George S. Patton. No one. Okay. So, in the air campaigns against Japan... Now, these are all fake, right? But... <laughs> But <laughs> they were over there. People were over there fighting, okay? But I'm not going to just tell you this is all true. I'm just going to read what they're saying here. LeMay abandoned the established policy of daylight precision bombing. Instead, he loaded his B-29s with firebombs and sent them out over Japanese cities during the night. As LeMay described it, the B-29s scorched, boiled, and baked to death some 300,000 people. After World War II, LeMay served in the Pentagon. I guess he probably should have been in prison, right? In 1947, LeMay transferred to Wiesbaden, Germany to command US forces in Europe, got him back in Germany. LeMay returned to the US in October 1948 to take charge of SAC, S-A-C, Strategic Air Command. They're going to be our big, they're going to enter this picture in a huge way very soon, these little sack people. So LeMay's first war plan, drawn up in 1949, proposed delivering the entire stockpile of atomic bombs in a single massive attack, dropping 133 atomic bombs on 70 cities within 30 days. By the end of his term, the SAC was on constant and ready to execute an all-out atomic attack at a moment's notice. And LeMay was SAC commander until June of 1957. I was born in 1951 on a SAC Air Force base. (laughs) Kind of amazed I'm still alive. Uh, LeMay was appointed vice chief of staff of the United States Air Force in 1957 and chief of staff in 1961. That puts him at the Bay of Pigs. (laughs) That Cuban Missile Crisis. Go see my show about Cuba. Probably a totally flipped country at this point. Okay. As a member of the Joint Chiefs during the Cuban Missile Crisis, LeMay recommended that President John F. Kennedy send the Navy and SAC to surround Cuba and, if need be, fry it. F-R-Y it. When the crisis ended peacefully, LeMay, LeMay called it the greatest defeat in our history. That's what they're doing. Everybody in this country thinks that a peaceful resolution isn't a resolution, right? So anyway, so Kennedy and them were determined to do all this stuff. We know this is all a bunch of lies, so I'm not going to get too crazy about it. But they did say that two of the most dangerous of all the generals were Curtis LeMay and his head of the Strategic Air Command, SAC, General Thomas Power. General LeMay is legendary for his mania to start World War II by goading the Soviet Union with unauthorized reconnaissance flights that penetrated their forbidden boundaries. Yeah, kind of how it works, right? Go push them around. So anyway, so um, they, they said at the time, to give you a little bit of the local flavor, that meetings of the Joint Chiefs of Staff were alluded to by some of the Three Ring Circus. General Curtis E. LeMay, Air Force Chief of Staff, was characterized by one observer as always injecting himself into situations <laughs> like a rogue elephant barging out of a forest. There are many stories of LeMay's crudeness in dealing with his colleagues on the joint, I swear I was going to laugh, Joint Chiefs of Staff. He found the meetings dull, tiring, and unproductive. Petulant and often childish when he didn't get his way, LeMay would light a cigar and blow smoke in the direction of anyone challenging his position. To show utter disgust, he would walk into the private joint chief's of staff toilet, leave the door open, urinate, or break wind loudly, and flush the commode a number of aggravating times. He would then saunter calmly into the meeting, pretending that nothing had happened. When angry with individual staff members, he would resort to sarcasm. If that failed, he would direct his wrath to the entire story. I think, we, I think we can safely say that <laughs> LeMay might be a psychopath. Um, so anyway, so he battled with these other people about submarines and stuff. And um, he uh, <laughs> they said... LeMay apparently had grown immune to the horror of killing. Well, everybody else was killing too, right? They're just pegging him for it. He had directed the gasoline-gelled firebombings of Japan, estimated to have killed more persons in a six-hour period than any time in the history of man. LeMay said of war, you've got to kill people. And when you've killed enough, they stop fighting, he once said. We killed off, what, 20% of the population of North Korea? More than two million civilians died in LeMay's campaign from napal bombing and destruction of massive dams to flood waterways. They would go and what they do is they bomb strategic places like waterways and stuff like that to play with the enemy. But I I don't know they really did that right. So LeMay was considered a ringleader. (laughs) Yeah, I would say he's a ringleader. And the Joint Chiefs of Staff insofar as urging Kennedy to go to war in the Bay of Pigs and the later the Cuban Missile Crisis. So, yeah, he tried to get Kennedy to do that. But, you know, that's not any of that's true. So in the 1950s under Eisenhower, Eisenhower is the one who really has kind of spoofed everybody because he made some famous comment about be careful of the war machine. So everybody thinks Eisenhower was onto the truth. Just like Kennedy was onto the truth right before they popped the top of his head off. He was going to get rid of the CIA. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, so, <laughs> so in the 1950s under Eisenhower, LeMay had the authority to offer, authorize a nuclear strike without presidential authorization if the president could not be contacted. Can't think of a better person to give that to. That option was extended down to General Thomas Power, head of SAC, whom the May himself described as not stable and a sadist. I'll be talking more about psychopaths and the relationship with Saddam Hussein soon, so... LeMay's proposal for a nuclear first strike and massive destruction of the Soviets was thwarted by Eisenhower, whom LeMay came to consider as indecisive. He was even more disgusted with Kennedy, whom LeMay believed to be a coward. LeMay talked openly about a preemptive attack in which 100 million people would be killed. If there ever was a mad rogue general who could lead a coup, it would appear to have been General Curtis LeMay. So, yeah, and after he retired from the Air Force... um, he ran for um, governor in Alabama with George Wallace, <laughs> so he died in 1990. But let me get to the end here because he went on to take a very significant role <laughs> to continue torturing the rest of us. Um, LeMay was not done when we thought he was done because, as it turns out, He went on to form the RAND Corporation. I heard that name my entire life and had no idea what it meant until yesterday. And it's a doozy. So, yeah. um, So let me finish this story because somebody wrote a doozy about LeMay. One guy said, I remember Curtis LeMay sitting there in the gallery at the JFK autopsy. He had a big cigar in his hand. (laughs) Yeah, they tried to pin the death on him. so he's he yelled at one point he said restraint why are you so concerned with saving their lives the whole idea is to kill the bastards at the end of the war if there are two americans and one russian we win okay so they said looking back at that whole cuban mess what that was the time didn't wasn't that when they closed off cuba about that time frame for that i just did the show about it i'm a little foggy on that but yeah look at the show about cuba likely a completely flipped country but i don't know that for sure one of the things that appalled me most was a lack of broad judgment by some of the heads of the military services yeah broad broad bad bad judgment right Actually, this is the plan, not the bug. Okay, When you think of the long competitive selection process that they have to weather up to the end of their one-man particular service, it is certainly not unreasonable to expect that they would also be bright with good broad judgment. <laughs> this guy wrote this interesting piece. He called it um, Curtis LeMay, belligerent, cold warrior. So he's he's going through this piece and he's saying... For years, I've been looking at those rows of ribbons and those four stars and conceding a certain higher qualification not obtained in civil life because we have them being so huge, right? Well, if and are the best services can produce, a lot more attention is going to be given to their advice in the future because people, some people are catching on that these monsters aren't that smart, right? Um, so, this just gives you a feel what this guy was saying about this quote from this dinner party at a Georgetown dinner party. Recently, the wife of a leading Senator sat next to general Curtis LeMay chief of staff of the air force. He told her a nuclear war was inevitable. It would begin in December and be all over by the first of the year. In that interval, every major city, Washington, New York, Philadelphia, Detroit, Chicago, LA would be reduced to rubble. According to LeMay. Similarly, the principal cities of the Soviet Union would be destroyed. The lady, as she tells it, asked if there were any place where she could take her children and grandchildren to safety. The general would, of course, at the first alert, be inside the top secret underground hideout near Washington, from which the retaliatory strike would be directed. Yeah, they had that place. They were hiding out there when they supposedly got rid of bin Laden. Okay, he told her that certain unpopulated areas in the far west would be safest. <laughs> this was in 1961. Imagine sitting next to this guy at a dinner party, huh, right? So let's talk a little bit about Rand Corporation, because this is all about healthcare care, people. And what healthcare means is eugenics. Hate to break it to you. So... Remember, we're looking at the US military, very involved in this deal, okay? So now we got Curtis, or General LeMay, going over to and founding Rand Corporation, okay? He was one of the original three founders, okay? So it kind of starts to give you some clues about what Curtis might've been doing when he was back at SAC, okay? The achievements of RAND stem from its development of systems analysis. Important contributors are claimed in space systems and the United States space program. Funny how the space isn't really true, right? In computing and artificial intelligence. People don't understand that we have as much AI here as China does. I mean, facial recognition, they, they even admit it after that latest thing at the Capitol that they caught all those people with facial recognition on uh, Facebook. But yeah, they probably didn't catch them that way, but they admitted that that's how they did it. So they're trolling your social media accounts, people. So anyway, so um, Rand designed, and this is the absolutely key point here. Okay. And conducted one of the largest and most important studies of health insurance between 1974 and 1982. The Rand Health and Education and Welfare established an insurance corporation to compare. Yeah, we get robbed on healthcare. Um, by the late 1940s, this was, Rand was started by Douglas, the aircraft people, okay. But by the late 1947s, Douglas had expressed their concerns. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that their close relationship with RAND might create conflict of interest problems on future hardware contracts. Yeah, a little conflict of interest here. This whole thing is, you know, somebody said the other day, and I thought it was just kind of so, so out there. One of these progressive people, they said, you know, if people, what is wrong with people? They were going on and on. They said, what do people really think that every doctor in the whole world has colluded on this vaccine? I thought, yeah, that's exactly what happened, right? So anyway, so, um, they, they distanced themselves and, um, because they saw this conflict. Okay. So. They started as a nonprofit. You always want to do a nonprofit if you're a crook, okay? And you want to also do a charity if you're a crook. On 14 May 1948, Rand was incorporated. So Rand had only been around a year being run by Douglas, the military company. I'm sure this they just got completely out of it. There's no conflict left here, right? So anyway, so they were incorporated in the state of California, and they were formally transferred to the Rand Corporation. And I believe they are in Pennsylvania, (laughs) German Pennsylvania, right? Okay, so this is what they did. Since the 1950s, Rand Research, run by the biggest psychopath in this country, has helped. Well, they, they had a famous quote, and what they said was at the time that Curtis was a psychopath, but it was okay because he was our psychopath. So they helped inform U.S. policy decisions in a wide variety of issues, including the space race, the U.S.-Soviet nuclear arms confrontation, the creation of the Great Society social welfare programs, the digital revolution, and national health care. Its most visible contribution may be the doctrine of nuclear deterrence by mutually assured destruction called MAD. Now, this whole nuclear and the space is all fake. So I think what they do is they just set up these things because the eugenics is probably hidden under those little budget items, right? So anyway, so, um, defense, then defense secretary Robert McCanna, excuse me, McNamara, they did some work based on the game theory. And they position the idea of a winnable nuclear exchange in his 1960s books on thermonuclear war. So I don't know. They said that Dr. Strangelove, if you watch, if you watch the movie, um, he is spoofed as a Bland Corporation, not Rand Corporation. And I'll be back to talk to you about how they spoofed this, um, surgeon who is related to possibly to Justin Bieber. They, sp- Justin Bieber, this guy was named B-I-B-E-R. They spoofed him on South Park. Funny, that guy, too. He just got out of the military, and all of a sudden, somebody asked him, hey, I want to be trans. Can you get me a a penis or something? He said, yeah, hey, I'll get in there and help you out with it. Right after he got out of military surgery, right? I'm sure he probably didn't learn anything in the military. I'm probably just way too suspicious. So anyway, so yeah, Rand is looking pretty suspect. Curtis LeMay, uh, all this health stuff, very concerning. So according to the 205 annual report, about one half of RAND's research involves national security issues. Many of the events in which RAND plays a part are based on assumptions which are hard to verify because of the lack of detail on RAND's highly classified work for a Defense Intelligence Agency. See how that works? You say, listen, we got all this money over here. We're going to be taking care of the children health insurance and all this stuff but don't ask us about that because we're also doing classified work so we really can't tell you anything okay <laughs> behind the big wall they are okay folks so i'm going to close off for now i will, we're going to pick work out a system for what we need to show you that andy dug up and i'll get back to you the next day or two for that so join you in the comments be safe out there goodbye for now